Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, a podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. He is Peter Watson, and I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We're very excited today because this is the first issue of Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen that we've covered on the podcast. Yay! And we're yeah, hooray! Indeed, we're looking at a story from issue ninety-three of Jimmy Olsen, published on the twelfth of April, nineteen sixty-six, with a cover date of June nineteen sixty-six. And like one or two of the other ones we've done recently, DC covers now have the little attractive go-go checks. Along the top. Yes. I know Peter's a big fan of those. I am too. I do like them, yes. So, Pete, tell us about the rest of the cover. Well, this is a very striking cover, literally, mm. because you have some scientist soldier thugs coming down. Yes. Looking very much like Rip Hunter with a helmet on. And they're flying discs. They're zooming down over a futuristic looking city mm-hmm. and flying up, punching one of them literally mm-hmm. on the chin. Is it Superman? Is it Batman? <laughs> or is it Jimmy Olsen as the Batman Superman of Earth X? <gasps> I think that's most likely. I think it is most likely. Basically, it looks like Batman's costume, except he's got the Superman logo. Yeah. He's got the red trunks and the red boots. But apart from that, it looks pretty much like Batman's costume. Yeah. Remember how we, we talked recently about that Spectre bad guy who looked very much like Votan coloured in with the wrong felt tips? Yes. That's modus. Yeah, this looks like Batman's been coloured in with the wrong felt tips. <laughs> um, it actually hurts my eyes to look at this costume because the red and the grey, they're horrendous. I don't know if it would have worked better to have put the Batman cape onto the Superman costume with a Batman logo. That might have been less painful. Well, maybe that's for Earth Y. <laughs> that's, yes, that's a thought. Yeah, Maybe next week when we do the Superman Batman of Earth Y, that's what the costume will be. Yes, it's by Kurt Swan, nicely laid out against the sort of very typical of the time, just plain white background. Mm -hmm. It's quite a legion of superheroes-y looking city that they're all flying over. Very much so, yes. Very interesting. As you said, the cover's by Kurt Swan, but the actual story is by Bill Finger and Pete Costanza on art. Awesome. So there we are. Right, cool. Let's jump straight in then. We have an opening splash panel which shows the aforementioned Batman Superman hideous combined (laughs) costume, chap wearing that uniform, flying in some open French windows... On the wall, there is a framed poster of Superman, as we know him, and a framed poster of this combined Batman-Superman costume. And sat at a desk in the front of the splash panel, at his typewriter, activating his signal watch, which is giving off the famous ZZZZZ effect, it appears to be Clark Kent. And Clark Kent is saying to this gentleman who's flying in the window, Glad you responded so quickly to my signal, steel man. I have an important job that only you with your superpowers can handle. We have a text caption box which goes a little bit like this. Holy plots! Talk about switches! That's Clark Kent using a signal watch to call Jimmy Olsen. Yes, the face behind that Batman mask belongs to Superman's pal. But how on earth did things get so mixed up? Well, they didn't. At least, not on this earth. No, this is the story of how our freckled friend became Steel Man. The Batman Superman of Earth X. And it's worth saying, the text box, the Earth part of Earth X is in blue, but the X is given a very sexy X certificate red. There you are. Tremendous. I do like that Steel Man is flying in. His uh, actual S logo he's got on his chest is quite naff looking. Yes. <laughs> it's not the proper Superman logo. Yes. It's a very primitive version of yeah, it. Yeah, there's no, none of the border around the S. Basically, it's, it's like that throughout the story. It's not like that on the cover. 
The cover it's drawn mm. very much like the normal John Byrne says, the two fish swimming past each other, but it's definitely it's a slightly evolved version of the S um, inside. My copy, yes. underneath the publication info at the bottom of the, the splash page, my copy has a little stamp which says David Churchill. There we are. So, David Churchill, if you're listening, I am taking great care of your former copy of Superman's Pal, Jimmy Olsen, issue 93. Right, so... On to page two, and our opening caption says, One day, as Jimmy Olsen visits Professor Potter in his new workshop atop Mount Tipton. And we see Jimmy, and it must be said, the waistcoat he's wearing under his brown suit makes him look very much like a riverboat gambler. It is very jazzy for Jimmy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, jazzy for Jimmy. <laughs> That's our other podcast. <laughs> Quite a snazzy waistcoat. He's wearing his bow tie as usual. Bow ties are cool. And the professor is an elderly man with a hairline very, very similar to my own. Shocking white hair. He's wearing a lab coat. They're in his laboratory, as we say. We can see the windows. We can see equipment dials on the wall. Some other equipment. There's a globe just in front of them as well. And the professor is saying to Jimmy, Yes, Jimmy, I believe that Earth not only exists in our time dimension, but also in other dimensions, where evolution and history have paralleled ours, but with some variations. Jimmy replies, Superman's told me about adventures he's had in such worlds. What's your angle? And the next panel shows them with a door open into another room in the laboratory and we see a big metal sphere on legs which has a hatch open and we can see inside as a chair and some scientific equipment. It reminds me a little bit of this distance from Rip Hunter's time sphere. I was going to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> That's great. That's two Rip Hunter references already. It is, yes. I'm gutted that, to the best of our knowledge, there were no Rip Hunter Time Master stories that involved parallel universes. That would have been terrific. No. So, as Jimmy and the Professor behold this large yellow metal sphere, the Professor is saying, This, my boy, when I return from lecturing at Metropolis University, I'll demonstrate my dimension travel machine to you. Wait here, but don't touch anything. That's famous last words for the caption for the next panel says, But shortly... And Jimmy is now inside the Dimension Travel Sphere, and he's saying, Don't touch anything, he says. What can possibly happen if I just look round? Oops, my elbow rammed a button. Indeed, Jimmy's elbow has bumped into one of the equipment dials in the sphere. There's a little bit of a flash. And then we cut to an external panel and the caption says, Seconds later, the top of Mount Tipton is no more. And with a giant boom, it looks like almost like the volcano's erupting. There's a massive explosion at the top of the volcano. Flames and debris bursting everywhere. We then have a slow dissolve to the next caption. Sometime later, a groggy figure crawls from the wreckage. And we see Jimmy emerging from the sphere, which is now down on the ground. It doesn't look in the best of condition now, it must be said. I wonder if it's been hurled away by the explosion. And he's emerging. We can see some buildings in the background, some trees nearby. Very unusual looking trees. And Jimmy is thinking, Where? Those trees? I've never seen anything like them before, and I know why. Ah, oh, I've landed on another Earth. And the next panel, Jimmy continues to think, and he tells us what we see. <sighs> that man, he looks a lot like Perry White. He's a matador. Maybe on this other Earth, bullfighting is legal in the United States. Indeed, we see Perry White twirling his head round to see Jimmy in surprise, with a bull pawing the ground behind him, and this matador Perry White is carrying a blue cloak. We move to the top of page three and the first caption says, Suddenly, as Jimmy sees four-footed danger thundering at the matador. And the bull is now rushing forward. Perry White is, it looks like he's ducking forward, but he's tripped. And Jimmy rushes forward himself, thinking, Oh, that guy was so startled by my landing, he tripped. I've got to distract that galloping beef burger. Huh? I'm moving at super speed. Yeah, Jimmy does seem to be bushing. The caption for the next panel says, As Jimmy whips up the fallen cape. And Jimmy is thinking, 
On this other earth, Matador's capes are blue instead of red. Oops, the bull hooked me, but its horn snapped off from the impact. Very helpful of Jimmy to say all that, because that's exactly what's happened. With a little snap, the bull's horn is caught against Jimmy's wrist and broken off. And then the next panel, Jimmy is wrestling the bull by the neck down to the ground, and he's saying, Maybe it was the explosion's radiation reacting with this earth's sun. But here, I have superpowers. Yahoo! With a cloud of dust, the bull goes down, and in the background, the matador exclaims, Amazing! Well, my name isn't Perry White. We have a slow dissolve, and the caption for the next panel says, Afterward, Matador White hears Jimmy's tale at his ranch home. And we see Jimmy and Perry sat out on the porch. We can see the mailbox, which says El Rancho, P. White. They're obviously chilling. We can see a, <laughs> a bottle and a glass on the, the table in front of Perry. And Jimmy is saying, So here I am. My dimension machine wrecked. Looks like I'm here for good, Perry says. For good? Yes. You must use your superpowers for the good of mankind. You can stay with me. I retired from the bull ring last year because of heart trouble, but I missed the thrills and foolishly decided to try my hand again. Caption for the next panel. Later, as excited as a youngster with a new toy, Jimmy cannot resist secretly trying out his new powers. It's quite interesting, this panel. It's a sort of montage of three images, and the first one shows Jimmy using heat vision to score Perry White's initials onto the front door of his house. The next panel, Jimmy's using his strength to hammer a horseshoe into place on a horse, and then the last one, we see him flinging bales of hay around because he's helping out with the chores around the ranch. Very good. Over the page to page four. In the days that follow, a warm bond of friendship grows between Perry and Jimmy. This is a lovely panel. Very nice. We can see Perry and Jimmy relaxing by the river. They've got their fishing rods out. Perry appears to be on a cigar, as is his habit. Yep. And Perry is saying, Jimmy, despite your brash behaviour, you're a fine lad. If I had a son, I'd want him to be like you. Jimmy replies, Gosh, thanks. You're not bad yourself. And then he thinks, On my world, Perry has a son. <laughs> I have to say, the gosh it thanks you're not bad yourself. <laughs> that could be misconstrued. <laughs> it could be these days, yes. So, things take a sad turn, though. The caption for the next panel says, Then, tragedy suddenly strikes as Perry's weak heart gives out. And Perry is in bed, it must be said, not looking very well at all. Very gaunt. He's handing an envelope to Jimmy. There's a little bedside table with a glass with a straw. And a very snazzy bedside lamp, sort of red with a green zigzag across it. Kind of reminds me of Charlie Brown's sweatshirt or Ultra Boy's chest symbol. Yes. And Perry is always on his way out and he's saying to Jimmy, I've written a letter of introduction to my nephew. He'll give you a job so you can build a new life for yourself. Your superpowers. Use them against evil. Promise me, Jimmy says. <laughs> I, I promise. A slow fade, the caption for the next panel says. And so Jimmy's father dies. Just as Superman's foster parents died, leaving him to carry on his super career. Fate is strange indeed. And we see Jimmy standing, looking down at Perry's gravestone, with a very dark and moody red sky in the background. Very sad. The caption for the next panel. Afterward, Jimmy remembers the letter of introduction. And we have a shot of Jimmy holding an envelope which is addressed to Clark Kent, tours custodian of the World's Fair. And Jimmy is saying, Huh? It's addressed to a Clark Kent. And he's not a newspaper man in this world. Then the caption for the next panel. That night, although the Metropolis World's Fair is closed at the late hour, Jimmy's letter gets him into the grounds. And we see Jimmy walking through the grounds. He's on the Avenue of Patriots. There's some statues, obviously, of famous former American presidents. There's a giant globe in the background. There's some futuristic-looking buildings. There's a giant motor car tire wheel sort of thing going on. 
And as Jimmy walks along, he's saying, This is great. Now I can do some sightseeing without being shoved around in a crowd. It's the perfect COVID situation. At the top of page five, we see Jimmy kneeling down to look at another statue, which is the inscription on its base, Benedict Arnold, second president of the United States. And Jimmy is thinking, Boy, this is a mixed up world. On this earth, Benedict Arnold wasn't a traitor, but went on to become president. And in the next panel, Jimmy says, Atta boy, Ben. Oh no, I gave it a little pat but forgot my super strength. Yeah, Jimmy's patted the base of the statue and it's going flying up and it's knocked over the next statue of the next president along. So the caption of the next panel says, It is then that Clark Kent happens to pass by as... And Jimmy is now flying. All of the other presidential, shall we say, statues have all tipped over like dominoes. But Jimmy has flown up and has caught the last one in an effort to stop them all falling over. And as he does this, he says, Brother, I sure started a chain reaction. Whoa! And Clark Kent, who observes this, exclaims, What? And then the next panel shows that Jimmy has righted all the statues. He's bounced along and fixed them up again. And he's seen Clark and he thinks, I'll put back these statues and no one will ever know the difference. Uh Uh-oh, I was wrong. Clark Kent, he saw everything. And Clark Kent stares at Jimmy and says, You can fly. You have super strength. You're steel man. You got the wrong guy, pal. My name's Jimmy Olsen. What's with this steel man? Come home with me and I'll show you. Now, if that's not a dodgy pickup line, I don't know what is. <laughs> Over the page to page six, and the caption at the top says, Soon Jimmy stares and keeps staring, and no wonder. We're now back at the bachelor pad of this other Earth's Clark Kent, and he has some framed posters on his wall of other superheroes. One of them is called Solar Man, and it's a guy wearing a sort of purple shorts, a red top, he's got white sleeves, looks very much like Bullet Man, the Fawcett character. There's yes. a sort of purple helmet on, and there are flames all around him, and he's called Solar Man. Then the next guy looks like a bit of a wizard, sort of purple cape, a yellow chest piece. He's wearing a little yellow pointed hat, and he's got a wand, which is some energy crackling out of it in his hand. And in the foreground of that image, we can see a gun melting, and he's called Mystic Man. The next panel shows Superman, just sort of flying. Then the next one shows Steel Man, which is basically, as we described earlier on, a combination of the Superman and Batman costume. There's no Batman mask. It's this odd S on a grey background with red shorts, red boots and a blue cape. You can see some bullets bouncing off him and bam, bam, bam. And then the final one says Storm King. And it's a guy in a blue suit and his hat getting blown off by a very large human torch looking figure. Yes. Who's blowing a, a gust of wind at him. It looks like he's he's in flames. So that's very interesting. So all of this obviously gets touched upon by the dialogue for Clark Kent says, My spare time hobby is writing science fiction about superheroes. You're like one of them come to life. And Jimmy's standing with the envelope in his hand that Perry gave him and he says to Clark Wow, you've even imagined there's a Superman. That reminds me, this letter, it's time you knew about me and my world. And the caption for the next panel says, Afterward And Jimmy and Clark are standing with the Steel Man poster in the background and Clark is saying Hmm, my uncle was right about how to use your powers but you'd be more effective if you hid your true identity like the Superman on your earth you told me about. Jimmy replies Good idea. I'll rig up a costume like your fictional superheroes. Then in the next panel, Clark is saying, Notice, even though your machine was smashed, your clothes weren't even torn. They must be indestructible too. Jimmy says, as his hands are blooding and it seems like his jacket is coming apart and being coiled up, he's saying, Great! At super speed, I'll unravel my suit and reweave it into a costume. Tremendous. I love when that sort of thing happens. Yes, much fun. I'm sure there's at least one or two flash stories when such similar things have gone on, when, you know, at super speed, <laughs> clothes have been... <laughs> I love it. Right, 
The next panel is very exciting and the caption says, Shortly after his redesigned garb has been dipped into instant drying dye. And Jimmy is standing in the aforementioned combination Batman-Superman style suit with the grey leggings and the, the grey top, but the red boots, the yellow belt and the red shorts and the blue gloves and the definitely much simpler Superman S shield on his chest. And Jimmy's suddenly the thought he's saying, Not bad, but my red hair and freckles are a dead giveaway. I've an idea. With my vest and shirt, I can make a cow, just like my friend Batman's. And then the caption for the next panel says, And so, at last, Jimmy Olsen is transformed into this other Earth's new superhero, Steel Man. And this panel shows Steel Man, this Batman cowl over his weird Superman looky-likey costume, standing talking to Clark. And Steel Man is saying, Superman once gave me this signal watch. Now, I'm giving it to you. It emits a supersonic sound that will summon me at any time you need me. And Steel Man is activating the watch, which is on Clark's wrist, and it's going dee 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 dee. And Clark is saying, This watch will be as safe with me as your secret identity. Now, very quickly, I want to just sort of interject. When did you first encounter the Jimmy Olsen signal watch, Peter? I have no idea of what issue. It always seemed to be a, a factor. Probably the very first Jimmy Olsen, probably the very first Superman story I read. Uh, but I can't remember which one. To be honest, <laughs> I first encountered it in an issue of the Defenders uh-huh. when Hank McCoy is being a terrible boyfriend and is dashing off, but he gives Vera a signal watch, which he says, you know, she can activate it and he will hear it with his beast hearing whenever she's feeling lonely or sad. I see. And he bounds off to go off and do some Defenders business, and she activates the watch straight away. And of course, Hank mm-hmm. doesn't come back. It's all very poignant. That was my first <laughs> encounter with a signal watch. So. <laughs> we now move to the top of page seven. Some time has passed. The caption says, Later, in a neat new suit, Jimmy is taken to meet Clark's superior at the World's Fair. Yeah, Jimmy's new suit. It's a sort of pale orange, I suppose, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He still has a bow tie, still has a waistcoat. And none other than Professor Potter is Clark's boss at the World's Fair. And he's behind the desk with Jimmy and Clark standing in front of him. And the professor is saying, Great Caesar's ghost. If you want to hire this young fellow as your assistant, then do so. But stop bothering me with petty details. And Jimmy thinks, On this earth, Potter is Clark's boss. And he's just as tough as Perry White is in my world. Then the caption for the next panel says, Next, another surprise. He meets the girl who monitors the World's Fair computer. This is terrific. Jimmy and Clark are now in another room. We can see a great big old school fancy computer in the background with lots of dials and electrical information on it. It's terrific. And the immaculately coiffured blonde young girl they're talking to, gets introduced by Clark. Clark says, Lucy Lane, meet my new assistant, Jimmy Olsen. And Lucy replies, Hello, sorry, I have to run. I have a luncheon date with a very special guy. And Jimmy thinks, There's a Lucy here too. And she's as indifferent to me as the other Lucy is back home. Boo, that's a shame. Yes. Okay, so, the caption for the next panel. Later, as Jimmy is taken on a tour of the World's Fair... Suddenly, Lucy, Clark and Jimmy are looking up at the sky because the, as Pete said, the sort of scientific looking police guys that we saw on the cover are all flying past on their, on their little hover discs. There's five of them. So it's a green sort of military uniform, belts and um, straps and they're all carrying guns. And Lucy proclaims, look, the Luther League pulling a raid on their anti-gravity discs again. Jimmy says, you mean Luthor? He's here? In the next panel, Clark says, Luthor is not a he, but a gang of hit-and-run bandits. The name Luthor stands for the League Using Terror, Havoc, and Robbery. Jimmy thinks, No matter how you spell it here or on my earth, 
That name means trouble, and it's up to me to stop it. The caption for the next panel. Now, thinking fast, Jimmy acts just as fast, and... Lucy proclaims, Good grief! That clumsy fool has tripped into the disposal chute, and indeed Jimmy has thrown himself forward through a hatchway, which has a sign above it saying, Throw trash here and an arrow. It's the sort of thing that Jade from Little Mix would have on the back of her t-shirt. And as Jimmy ducks through the hatch, she's thinking, So she thinks, I only pretended to trip so I could get away to switch to my steelman identity. And we have a closing caption on this panel which says, Yes, without knowing it, Jimmy is duplicating the same kind of ruse that Superman uses to outsmart Lois Lane. That's an interesting point, this secret identity sort of thing. I've never been convinced by the idea that people like Jimmy and, and Lois automatically assume that Superman has a secret identity. Yes, I've always been in the same mind. Yes. It was that idea that Lois is always trying to trip Clark up into revealing that he's Superman and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think post-crisis, they did a much better job of all that. You know, yeah. Lois was given a bit more depth. Yeah, and also post-crisis, uh, Lex Luthor basically said, why would Superman have a secret identity? Yeah. That was the big thing about it. I think it was issue two or three. It was really early on. The big identity reveal. That's right. That really famous cover. Yeah. And Lex just wrote it mm-hmm. off because... If you were the most powerful person in the world, why would you have a sixth identity if you could go around yeah. seeing all these people? Why would you stop to go out for a date with Lois and eat some beef bourguignon? <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. I think at the time it probably wasn't questioned as much. I mean, but I do like that this by sheer coincidence, mm-hmm. the things repeat and Jimmy is pulling the same sort of trick that Clark would pull. Yeah. I wonder if Jimmy ever suspected too strongly. Anyway, so that after that last little caption, we have another little box that says continued on third page following. So we pass um, a nice advert for libraries, another Superman 80-page giant advert, and then we're back on page 8 of the story, and the first caption says, Meanwhile, at the Science Hall, the Luthar League strikes quickly. There's a lot going on in this panel. Obviously the guards of the Science Hall, very much like policemen, a couple of them are running in as a couple of the Luthar League have stepped off their flying discs, which are now on the ground, and they're firing their guns, which are blasting some sort of electrical energy type ray at some of the equipment in the science hall. And one of the science guards who's rushing forward says, Look out! They're firing their element guns at the radio telescope model. Oh no! The caption for the next panel says, Instantly there is a phenomenal effect. And we see the two science hall guards suddenly caught in what looks like a giant spider's web, almost like a metallic looking spider's web. And indeed, the first guard says, What? They've turned the radio telescope into a huge metal spider web. And the other guard says, Ah, even though the effects of the element guns is only temporary, it'll trap us long enough for them to steal what they're after. There's a lot going on in the next panel. One of the Luther guards is approaching a model of what looks like an atom, and indeed he's saying, and as he does so, This is what we're after. This model atom with its electrons of priceless gems. Let's take off. But then flying in on the right side of the panel, bursting through the metal spider's web, It's Steel Man, and he says, When you take off, it'll be for prison. We drop to the bottom of page 8 in the background of the panel. Steel Man is punching one of the Luthar guys up into the air, but one of the ones in the foreground is saying, I don't know who that guy is, but I ain't staying to find out. And another Luthar leaguer says, Yeah, let's lamb. But first I'm going to make sure he can't follow us. He's a rat, so I'll blast a deep hole right under him. And this guy's firing his gun at the ground behind Steel Man. Then the next panel shows Steel Man falling through this hole in the ground, exclaiming, What? And then the Luther guard steps onto his hover disc, saying, There he goes, and here we go. And then the closing caption for this panel says, Is Jimmy Steel Man Olsen really stopped? Turn to part two. Now that's interesting because they put continued on the next page following, you know, the three page following, right? 
two yeah. pages of adverts, and then this page, and then they end the episode there. You know, they could yeah. have just <laughs> had that page, and then had the two adverts, and it might create a bit more drama. Anyway, so, at the top of page nine, we have a caption box which says, Part 2, Steel Man's Last Stand. And this caption box has a little headshot of Steel Man and a little headshot of what looks like one of the Luther League. In close-up like this, he looks like he's wearing the helmet that the Guardian wore in the Golden Age. Yes. But we haven't met him yet in the podcast, so you just have to wait and see. <laughs> anyway, the first caption for the first panel on page 9 says, Even as the four remaining Luthar Leaguers start their flights, they are hit by a human missile. Yep, Steel Man has burst back out of the hole in the ground and flown straight into their discs, knocking them off for six. One of the Luther League exclaims, You! And as Steel Man bursts into them, he says, Who are you expecting? Soupy sails? I burrowed up from the pits where you dropped me. Just proves you can't keep a good man down. Upon turning the bandits over to the police. Yes, we're now outside a police station. In the background we can see a police officer taking a couple of Luther Leaguers into the police station. And a policeman is outside talking to Steelman. And the policeman says, Mister, after what we've seen, everybody here is dying to know who you are. Where you're from? Steelman replies, I'm called Steelman. And I'm from another world. But I'd like to make your world my new home from now on. I wonder if in the next story we do, there'll be a story where um, Alfred Pennyworth gets transformed into a superhero who's like the assistant to a, a consulting detective and he calls himself Watson Man. I wonder if only. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Might have to wait a while for that one. <laughs> So there's a slight change of location in the next panel. It's, it's like that Elvis film. It happened at the World's Fair. A whole crowd of people walking towards a huge big television screen and the caption for this panel says, Shortly, an official announcement is made on the fair's colossal TV screen. And the screen is showing Steel Man looking very happy, it must be said, very carefree. And there's a gentleman in oh, a tailcoat, actually, in sort of striped trousers. Yes. And he's saying, As mayor of Metropolis... I declare tomorrow Steelman Day in honour of our great fighter for justice. Let's all give him a hero's welcome. The next day, Steelman Day, a day neither Metropolis nor Jimmy Olsen will ever forget. And this is great. We don't really get ticker tape parades in the UK, do we? No, not usually, no. But yeah, Steelman's getting a ticker tape parade. He's in a big, long, stretch red limousine that's been driven down a boulevard. We can see the crowd. Someone's holding a sign saying, Welcome, Steelman. And a voice cheers from the crowd. Hooray! And another voice cheers from the crowd. Yay! And another voice cheers from the crowd. Hooray for Steel Man! And on the right-hand side of the panel, we see Lucy with Clark Kent. And Lucy is saying, Oh, Clark, look at him. Isn't he wonderful? And she's waving what I hope is a pink handkerchief. Yes, I'm sure it is. And not her undergarments. <laughs> I would have played Steel Man as Tom Jones if I'd thought that. <laughs> I'm still man, you see. <laughs> Jimmy Olsen is Welsh. He's been in a couple of stories. We haven't played yeah. him as Welsh before. We'd have no. to go back and re-record them. <laughs> Righty. <laughs> so, we're now at the top of page 10. And the first caption says, Later, in a secret hideaway, there is an emergency meeting of the Luthar League. And this is very interesting. There are some floor-length orangey-red curtains in the background. But seated round the table, three men in the Luthar League outfits that we saw earlier on. It's a bald gentleman at the front, a couple of other guys who look very Kirby-esque, it must be said. Mm -hmm. Sat round the table, but also sat round the table, is someone who looks very much like the Joker, the Batman villain. One of the Luthar League guys in the green outfit is saying, But Bass... This steel man caught five of our boys. He's no pushover. And the Joker says, Relax. 
I'm working in a way to eliminate him. You just keep pulling the jobs as I planned. The caption for the next panel says, Afterward! And it's a change of location. The Joker's in a laboratory, working away at some equipment. And as he's doing so, he says, Now that my men have gone, I can continue working on the machine that will be the downfall of Steel Man. And a closing caption to that panel says, Doesn't this face look familiar? Is it possible that on this earth, the boss of the Luthar League is Batman's old enemy, the Joker? Well, it could well be, because he has that bleached white skin, he's wearing the purple suit, and he has the green hair, and it's looking likely. Anyway, the caption for the next panel. Sometime later. We're still at the World's Fair, and we can see Jimmy Olsen walking past the giant tyre wheel that we saw earlier on, and coming into his hearing is the ZZZ sound effect, and Jimmy thinks, It's a supersonic sound from the signal watch I gave Clark. He must be in trouble. Got to switch to my Steel Man identity, but fast. And then the caption for the next panel. The worried Steel Man streaks to the aid of his friend. So we see Clark now sitting on a pile of green rocks with what looks like a volcano in the background. And as Steel Man steeply flies into this panel, he's saying, Clark, what's wrong? And Clark says, Wrong? Nothing's wrong. It's just that I want to write a science fiction TV play about a new superhero named Lava Man. And I wanted a chunk of lava to put on my desk for inspiration. Steelman replies, Is that why you had me rush here? Just to get you some lava from that volcano? And I thought, no, oh, brother. Now, this is very interesting. An active volcano like this, presumably it yes. must be quite near Metropolis. We're not really given how much information or how far or how strong the signal for the signal watch can work. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Anyway, the next panel shows that Steelman has flown up to the sort of basin of the volcano and he's flying down towards the surface. There's bubbling lava and flames all around him. And as he does this, he's thinking, I remember how Superman used to bawl me out for calling him to do something unimportant. I felt like doing the same thing to Clark of all the silly stunts. Next panel shows him flying back down towards Clark with a steaming, roasting hot chunk of lava in his hands. And Steelman says, Here it is, but you better wait until it cools off to handle it. And Clark says, Thanks. You've no idea how important that lava is to me. Hmm, ominous. Anyway... The caption for the next panel. Meanwhile, at the World's Fair Art Pavilion, the Luthar League strikes again. And this panel shows several works of art, including what looks like a painting of Einstein with an owl on his shoulder in the background, and then very much like the Toulouse-Lautrec painting that inspired Tom Baker's Doctor Who costume in another frame. We can see a couple <laughs> of the guards standing. They're being held at gunpoint by a couple of members of the Luthar League. The guards have their hands up. And then another Luther Leaguer is in the front of the panel, lifting another painting off the wall, and his dialogue very helpfully describes it. A genuine Rembrandt portrait of that great actor, Mickey Mantle, in the role of Hamlet. What a prize! I have to say, at this point in the story, the way they're drawn here, what looks like sort of racing car helmets and their overalls, the bad guys kind of look like the bad guys from the video for Take On Me by Aha. Perhaps they are. <laughs> Perhaps they are. <laughs> they were drawn after all. Did yeah. Pete Costanza draw the, the Take On Me I don't video? think he did. I don't think he did, but it's, it's interesting. Maybe that's what happened in the video. Maybe the girl was pulled into the comic and found herself on Earth X. Who knows? Obviously, this Luther Leaguer is a big Shakespeare fan. I can understand. I can empathise. Right. The caption for the next panel, then. But even as the bandits soar away with the masterpiece. And this panel shows three of the Luther Leaguers on their flight discs. One of them is carrying the painting. Flying in from the right is Steelman. The Luther Leaguer carrying the painting says, Uh-oh, here comes Steelman. He looks ready for action. And one of the other Luther Leaguers says, He'll get plenty of action. After our element guns get through with that metal model of Earth. 
and him and his colleague fired two guns at the globe that we can also see in the front of the panel. I wonder if it's the same one that we saw earlier on at the World's Fair. It probably is. I would imagine so. Anyway, the caption for the next panel says, Instantly, the fair is inducted with an irresistible force. And then, in this panel, we're up in the air with Steel Man, and we see a car, and a mailbox, and a cash register, and what looks like a waste bin, all flying towards the giant model globe. And Steel Man is thinking, They've turned that globe into a colossal lodestone. And its terrific magnetic pull is tugging all the metal exhibits in the area. Next panel is very exciting. We see Steel Man down on the ground bracing against the giant tyre that we saw earlier on. In the background we can see a bicycle and some saucepans and a kettle and a spade all flying towards the lodestone. And see some other large buildings all sort of bending as if they're being drawn by the lodestone too. And in the front of the panel there's an alarm clock flying past them. And oh, while this is happening, Steel Man is thinking, I could pull up the globe and fly away with it, but parts of the metal structures would be drawn after it. My best hope is this huge tyre exhibit. And the tyre exhibit has buy a tiger tyre on the side of it. Possibly the, the sponsors of the World Sphere tiger tyres. Is that an ESO reference, do you think? Could be. They always used a tiger motif, didn't they? Could be. Interesting. Right, so we're now at the top of page 12. And the caption says, Hurling the titanic tyre high above the lodestone globe, Steel Man focuses his heat vision. This is great. We see the globe with the car and all our bits of metal and stuff attached to it. And Steelman has thrown the tyre, so it's above the globe, and he's using his heat vision to melt the rubber. And then indeed the caption for the next panel says, Instantly the tyre softens and melts, and a torrent of liquid rubber falls over the lodestone globe. Yes, this is very striking as the globe is engulfed in the liquid rubber. What does look as though is a big, very nasty sort of cloud drifting away in the top. So yeah, Jimmy's doing his fair bit for pollution in this panel. <laughs> With his hand to his head, Steelman leans against a wall, Thinking, Whew, it worked. A coating of rubber was the quickest way to shield its magnetic attraction. Now for the Luthar League. And in the caption for the next panel. But once again, the Luthar League pulls a diversionary trick. And what's going on in this panel is that Steelman is down the ground looking up at a few members of the Luthar League on their little flying disc. To the right of Steelman is a sort of model space rocket on a sort of gantry, and we have a sign next to it indeed saying space rocket. The two Luther League guys at the front are firing their element guns again at the space rocket, and this causes Steelman to exclaim, What? Now they're firing their element guns at the space rocket exhibits. And in the next panel he says, Their guns have launched it on a short flight. It's going to crash into the crowded fairgrounds unless I can intercept it in time. Indeed, he's flying it in the air at this point. We can see that the space rocket has gone up, but it's now coming straight back down. The caption for the next panel. A human buffer flashes down to ward off the plunging rockets. This is interesting, the rather large broom sound effect. Steel Man has positioned himself in front of the rocket, which has obviously exploded. And we can see what looks like large chunks of glowing orangey-red rock flying outwards. And Steel Man is thinking, What's wrong? My super steel body wasn't hurt by the impact yet. I feel so weak. And at the top of page 13, Steelman is now sat amongst a pile of glowing orangey-red rocks. His head is spinning, he has his hand to his head, and he's thinking, Those glowing rocks. Now I know. When the top of Mount Tipton exploded, chunks of it were flung into this dimension, along with Professor Potter's machine. Just as Superman is vulnerable to kryptonite, I'm vulnerable to Tiptonite. The next panel, with his head still spinning, and his hand still at his head, Steelman sees Clark Kent walking towards him. And Steelman says, Clark, these glowing rocks, their radiation is deadly to me. Remove them, quick. And Clark says, Don't worry, I'll get rid of every last one of them. In the caption for the next panel. And after Clark removes the tip tonight and Steelman's strength returns, 
And we see him standing in front of a lovely blood-red sky. One could almost be forgiven for thinking there was a crisis on Earth-X at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And Steelman is saying to Clark, The tip tonight was hidden inside that space rocket by the Luthor League. But how could they know it would harm me? And Clark answers him, The Luthor League leader must be cleverer than you figured. Then Lucy appears, and she says, Oh, Steelman, are you all right? If anything happened to you, I'd just die. And Steelman thinks, Maybe Lucy doesn't give a hoot about Jimmy Olsen, but she's crazy about Steelman. One day, I'll tell her who I am and ask her to marry me. Right, now we have a bit of a narrative jump at this point. I think we're probably maybe either missing a page and a half or a caption or something, because suddenly Jimmy's walking along, back in his sort of orangey suit, and Professor Potter has appeared, walking towards him. Jimmy exclaims, Professor Potter! Professor Potter is saying, Jimmy, at last! Luckily, I keep my dimension computer in a cavern inside Mount Tipton, so that vibrations can't jar its delicate mechanism. Its calculations told me into what dimension you had gone. Then I built a new dimension traveller to bring me here. Then the caption for the next panel at the bottom of page 13. After Jimmy briefs Potter on what has happened to him. But Jimmy, don't you want to go back to your own world? Are you kidding? In this world, I'm a Superman and Lucy's mad about me. No siree. I've got a great setup here and I'm staying. So, over the page now to the top of page 14 and the caption says... Suddenly, Jimmy's super hearing picks up a familiar sound. And the z z z z z effect can be heard and seen coming in. Jimmy exclaims, The signal watch again. Sorry, Professor. Clark needs my help. And the Professor says, I'll be waiting. Perhaps you'll change your mind about not wanting to return home. Shortly, as Steelman zeroes in on the high-pitched sound... There's a lot going on in this panel. On the left of the panel, Steelman is landing. And in front of him... Sat at a chair in front of a huge amount of scientific equipment. It's the Joker! Steelman says, The Joker? But how? And the Joker says, Joker? I never heard of him. As a precaution against my real identity being known by anyone, I wear a clown mask. Just as my job and story-writing hobby are a mask for my true occupation, leader of the Luthar League. And the Joker has taken off a mask, causing Steelman to exclaim, Clark, you! And indeed, the Joker has taken off the mask, and underneath, it's Clark Kent, wearing the outfit that we're used to seeing the Joker in. The caption for the next panel. Without warning. And Clark has activated some equipment, and a massive jolt of electricity flies out of the machinery, and strikes Steelman. Steelman says, What? Some weird force enveloping me? And Clark says, Yes, thanks to you, that harmless lava you got for me contained an element which makes this machine work. (laughs) Ha ha! I tricked you very neatly. Even now... This machine is draining you of your superpowers and transferring them to me. Now, throughout this panel, and the last one has been a mmm, and we now see that the energy exchange is going between Steelman and Clark, who I'm still wanting to call the Joker because he's wearing the same gear. Steelman says, <laughs> And I trusted you, even gave you my Superman signal watch. Oh, you only pretended to be my friend in order to steal my powers. Oh. Then the caption for the next panel says, Finally, Steelman is in the background of the panel, looking very weak. And Clark, still in his Joker gear, with a smash, punches the equipment in front of him. And he's saying, You'll never get a chance to use my own machine against me. I've thought of everything. With your superpowers, I'll make myself king of this world. Top of page 15, the first panel, Clark Kent flies off, saying, Here, ex-steel man, now you can use your signal watch to summon me. But I doubt if I'll ever bother to answer. (laughs) Ha ha ha! And indeed, Clark casts the watch down on the ground. Steel man 
pulling his mask back, thinks, This entire world will be under the heel of a power-mad dictator, all because of me. It's a slow fade now, the caption for the next panel. Some time later, a stunned populace recoils before a ruthless figure. And we see Clark wearing a bit more sort of traditional Clark outfit. He's got white shirt and blue trousers. He's standing at the top of the steps outside City Hall. A couple of policemen are advancing on him, firing on him. Bam, bam. Obviously the bullets are having no effect. And Clark is saying, I'm taking over this world and I'm going to run it my way. I have what were once Steelman's superpowers. Nothing can harm me, not even your pistols. Suddenly... And in walking up the steps, it's Jimmy Olsen in the Steelman costume... But he's got rid of the cape and the cowl. He's just wearing the grey leotard with the red shorts and the bars and the boots. And he's carrying what looks like a sort of large armoured shell. And he's walking up the steps and he says to Clark, Perhaps you're only wearing a bulletproof vest. Then in the background, a voice in the crowd says, It's Steelman! And another voice says, But he's unmasked. And someone else says, So that's what he looks like. In the next panel. Again, with the very apocalyptic orange sky sort of background. It's very interesting. Yes. Jimmy still carrying the armoured shell, and he's saying, Here, prove you have superpowers. I dare you to crush this steel shell in your bare hands. And Clark says, Hmm, you're up to something. But that shell can't contain any tip tonight because I destroyed every last junk. So since nothing else can harm me, I'll call your bluff. In the next panel, Clark has crushed the steel shell, but there's a cloud of gas emerging from it. Jimmy says, You're finished. That shell contained a gas which has the ability to destroy all your superpowers. No, it's not possible. There is no such gas. I don't believe it. In the next panel, Jimmy steps up, punches Clark out, saying, I bet you believe it now. Then a policeman who's also making his way up the stairs says, You'll believe it even more when we put him behind prison bars. Fantastic. Over the page to page 16. When the villainous Luther League leader is jailed. And we see Clark in a prison cell holding on to the bars, not looking very happy. Jimmy is there with Lucy. Jimmy says, It was Lucy who helped me defeat you. I went to her, explained the problem, and she fed certain factors into her computer, which came up with a formula for the gas that defeated you. And Clark from behind the bars says, Bah! Then... And Jimmy and Lucy are leaving the jail. See them walking down the steps. Professor Potter, standing at the bottom of the steps, obviously waiting for Jimmy. And Jimmy is saying, Lucy... I must go back to my own world. It's really where I've always belonged. And Lucy responds, Yes, yes, Jimmy, I know. And then the next panel, we see them kissing. And Lucy says, Oh, Jimmy. She's a bit of a tear. It's very sad. A slow fade. Afterward, there is still another farewell. And we see Jimmy standing outside Professor Potter's dimension machine, door open. There's a crowd of people waving him off. And someone from the crowd says, Goodbye! And Lucy from the crowd shouts, We'll never forget you, Jimmy says from the door of the machine. And I'll always remember that for a little while I was Steel Man. Inside the spaceship, in the next panel, the caption says, As the Dimension Traveller heads homeward. And we see Professor Potter operating some equipment and he says, By the way, Jimmy, just what was the gas which defeated that world's Clark Kent? Jimmy replies, Earth's atmosphere contains only slight traces of it, but Clark got a concentrated dose. Ironically enough, it had the same name as the planet Superman came from. It was Krypton Gas. The end. Now, there is also one further little caption box which says, Even more ironically, Krypton is a Greek word meaning the Hidden One. And what could be more hidden than Superman's other identity, Clark Kent? Well, okay. There we are. Yes. 
And there's another story in this issue called Sergeant Olsen, Toughest Man in the Marines, but we'll do that when we launch our War Comics podcast. <laughs> Jimmy Olsen-specific War Comics podcast. That, that was exciting. <laughs> Recently we've been doing a lot of the Return of the Earth 2 characters. Mm. You know, like the Spectre and Starman Black Canary, Doctor Fate and Hour Man. Yeah. Uh, it feels like we've been actually on Earth 2 for such a long time, and this seems like quite a throwback to some of the ones we did early on, like the Lois Lane stories and yeah. Superman family yeah. stories. It yeah. definitely feels like it is of an earlier time. Absolutely. But it was so much fun. Yeah, I mean, because as we go on, the sort of the extent of the multiverse and the parallel universe is really just kind of beds into just being Earth 2 and whatever Earth they want to use to, yeah. to highlight whichever other superheroes they've got a hold of. Mm-hmm. But you're right, we're only in episode 40 or but it felt a nice little throwback to what we'd seen earlier yeah great fun even just for the variety it was nice it was nice just to sort of see another parallel world it was interesting mm-hmm. that at no point in the narrative <laughs> I don't going to say of course you know what I'm going to say in many ways we have the same mind it wasn't identified as Earth X at any point was it nope certainly yeah. wasn't <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's also interesting just how much of it was located in and around the world's fair mm-hmm. it almost makes me think that there was a real life metropolis world's fair who'd paid for some co-op advertising <laughs> Maybe in this world, the World's Fair is actually the name of a country, uh, or something like that. There's things we need to talk about in this. Yes. Seriously, Perry White is a matador. I know. Where did that come from? <laughs> I did love the reverse of him having a blue cape, yes. and that the bull actually being red. Yes. That was a lot of fun. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. One of the other things I want to mention is, how long was Jimmy on this world for? Yeah. Because he goes there... Uh-huh. Meets Perry, gets adopted, kind of, by Perry. Yeah. Perry then gets ill and dies. Then he has to go to Metropolis, he meets Clark, establishes himself as a superhero there. I mean, all this takes a long time. Yes. How long is he away from Earth 1 for? How long did it take Professor Potter to find him? Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, to build a new dimension travelling machine. Yeah. Did Professor Potter travel in time and, you know, did Jimmy go back to the moment? You know, all that sort of stuff. The obvious question, did they get back to their own Earth immediately? Or did they end up having adventures in a series of parallel Earths? Can you imagine? That'd be great. I can imagine. Wow. That's obviously one of the other series that you and I are going to write for DC Comics when they take us on in the strength of this podcast. I liked it, as you say, maybe the time frame of it always condensed, but it rattled along. Mm-hmm. They packed an awful lot into the 16 pages. There was just that one point where the professor returned that it felt a little bit... Rushed. Rushed or condensed. Yeah. I liked the spin that Clark Kent was the bad guy, disguising himself yeah. as the Joker. I can imagine all that being amazing in a film, you know? It was hilarious when, when Clark Kent unmasked the Joker mask from him because he still had his glasses on underneath. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, hmm, that was a bit tricky. I did think Arnold was reading it. That must be very uncomfortable. Imagine they were digging into his face and really, really painful. <laughs> Where was this Earth's version of Jimmy Olsen, though? Ah, that's true. Where, was, where did yeah. this Earth's version of Clark Kent come from? Yeah, that's another point. Yeah, because obviously Clark doesn't seem to have superpowers. Mm-hmm. Clark's a fantasist who writes superhero stories. Yeah. Could he be tuning in to the parallel Earths that all these other guys are actually on? That's another question. Is there another world where Solar Man, Mystic Man and Storm King are all active and Clark is tuning in in the same way that Gardner Fox tunes into other Earths and... Wow. And all that sort of stuff. That's a thought. That's a yeah. Thought. There's a lot of untapped potential and some really good ideas here. Yeah, but he's doing this as a front mm. for him actually being the leader of the Luthar League. The Luthar League, yeah. Which is uh, ridiculous, but he must be spending an awful lot of time doing this writing as a front. Yes, and it must pay very well because I imagine that those element guns and those little flying discs probably uh-huh. cost quite a lot of money to develop. Well, I suppose if you buy those uh, gold helmets in bulk, you get a bit of a discount. So, you mm. know, that's um, that's something, I suppose. Yeah, must be. Another thing I want to mention is the Krypton gas. Yes. I'm being very pedantic here. Okay. Very pedantic. Please do. Jimmy says it was Lucy that helped defeat Clark. She fed certain factors into her computer, which came up with the formula for the gas that defeated you. Now, Krypton is a noble gas. 
It cannot be uh, made into a compound with any other elements. Okay. So there can't be a formula that includes Krypton. It can be part of a mixture of things, but it can't actually form a compound, so it can't actually be in a formula. Interesting. I'm being very pedantic there. Sorry, folks. Welcome to ScienceCast. Maybe the qualities or maybe some of the rules are a little bit different on this, on this one. The whole thing about Benedict Arnold as well is sort of the typical sort of parallel of trope to show that something is different. Yeah, very Earth 3. I was really intrigued by the, the tip tonight aspect of it. You know, the mm-hmm. chunks of the of the volcano followed Jimmy through and became as dangerous as, as he would be to Superman. That was all quite interesting. Yeah, yeah an awful lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. And of course we saw Lucy here, but didn't see Lois. Indeed. No mention of any other heroes, but that's quite standard for uh, mm-hmm. the Superman family sort of stories mm-hmm. of this time, is that they, they don't really acknowledge the fact there's a Justice League or anything else, really. It was fun to hear Jimmy mention early on that, yeah, he's heard Superman talk about Parallel Earths. Yes. In that scene early on. That's something we haven't really had, uh, really mentioned in the Superman family stories, unless it's like Superman and Batman in the world's finest referring back to a previous case. Mm-hmm. It shows that they actually have been talking about it to other characters and that they're aware of the parallel Earth situation. It's quite a long time since we've had a Superman family sort of story. We had the Lois Lane Super mm-hmm. Babysitter a couple of months ago now. Before that, we had the Superboy stories and, and the Atlas and Hercules story. It's been quite a long time since mm-hmm. we've had a Superman family. Maybe yeah. it was after the Atlas and Hercules and Samson story. Clark told, or Clark or Superman told Jimmy about, you know, what was going on. Maybe it was that, I wonder. Or maybe he told him about Superman's greatest feats. Yeah, or talked about some of his his Justice League adventures. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I do love the fact that Professor Potter, he's got Jimmy Olsen in his laboratory and he leaves the laboratory and says, don't touch my dimension travel machine. The very next panel, Jimmy's inside the dimension travel machine accidentally (laughs) bumping a switch. Yes. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's classic Jimmy Olsen story. It's amazing. It would have been really a really short comic if Jimmy had just gone, right, okay, and then wandered up and taken a look and then gone for a sit-down. Yeah. <laughs> and also, that blows up the laboratory at the top of the mountain. Yeah. So uh, it does take a while for Professor Potter to go and rescue Jimmy, so to mm-hmm. speak. Yeah, I wonder if the professor had taken that into account, that it was dangerous to use this machine because it could blow mm-hmm. up his entire base. Yeah. Interesting. Right, shall we move to the letters then? Yes. Let's go on to Jimmy Olsen, issue 96. We're into Jimmy Olsen's pen pals, as the letter column's called, and the first letter goes something like this. Dear Editor, Holy plot! Why did you have to open the Batman Superman of Earth X with one of those Robin sayings that have become his trademark? The holy clue and holy hamburger routine is associated strictly with the dynamic duo. Can't you have Jimmy use more original exclamations? By the way, did Jimmy ever go to college? <laughs> Asked Dan Sola of Freeport. And the editorial response says... Okay, we pledge to consider your complaint, but we dread having to reveal that Jimmy went to college because he is a graduate of Holy Cross. Wah, wah, wah. That's gone right over my head. They're just making a holy reference. And Holy Cross is a, a university. Oh, so, oh of course, yeah. right. Duh. Right, okay, well, pardon me. Of course, this is this is right in the zeitgeist of Batmania, so you know anything they can put on to... To make it more like the Batman TV show kind of helps. You're right. I wonder if that was even the idea behind the whole story in the first place. Because the Batman Superman of Earth X on the cover yes. and of the, the caption is there. It's, it's plain to see. But in the story, they call him Steel Man. They don't call him Batman Superman. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's very interesting, isn't it? I think that's very much part of the editorial drive for this one. So yeah. Because I remember when we did the Zatanna episode many moons ago, you talked about how big Batman was on the cover of the Justice League story. It's an interesting thing to remember as well, that Jimmy Olsen was like a friend of Batman's as well and actually knew that Batman was Bruce Wayne. Really? At this time. 
Yes. All right. That's that's the thing that's popped up in a couple of stories. So that's maybe one of the reasons why he chose to honour Batman, as it were, as part of Steelman. Yeah. That's why his inspiration for his, his cape and cowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, it must be said that he doesn't really use any Batman-type abilities. or no. It's not like he does a huge amount of detective work. It's, I think we've cracked it. It was probably just a shrewd bit of cynical marketing. Anyway, right, there's another letter. There's quite a few letters on this letters page. We only have a couple that deal with the story we've just done. So I'll read the next one. Dear Editor, I enjoyed the Batman Superman of Earth X very much, but what if Jimmy had wound up in a world where he had been like Green Lantern, the Atom, or even a male version of Wonder Woman? It would really surprise your readers. And that's from Nelson Campbell, Long Beach, California. And the editorial response to this one. How could it surprise them when you've already tipped them off? Blabbermouth. <laughs> Next thing you have such a great idea, tell us your letter's not for publication, <laughs> says the editor. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And there's also a couple of letters about this story in Jimmy Olsen 97, in the column of Jimmy Olsen's pen pals. Cool. The first one says, Dear editor, I really enjoyed the Batman Superman of Earth X. It was fun to see old pictures and new frames. Harry White is a retired bullfighter. Clark Kent is tourist custodian at the World's Fair. Professor Potter as his boss. Lucy Lane as the fierce computer monitor. And Luther as the League using terror, havoc and robbery. Even the leader of the Luthar League looked like the Joker. In my opinion, this story is a definite classic. That's with a capital D and a capital C. Mm. And that's from Robert Kowalski from Detroit, Michigan. And the editorial response is... And you are obviously a discriminating connoisseur of DC mags. Ed. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's nice. And there's another very short letter about the story we've just done in this letter column. And it goes a little something like this. Dear editor, I like Jimmy Olsen number 93 very much. However, on page 8 you had Steel Man, open brackets Jimmy, hitting someone who looked like a police officer. Why did he do a thing like that? And that's from Dennis Sargent from Dayton, Ohio. And the reply... That wasn't a cop. It was one of the villainous Luthar League cleverly impersonating <laughs> a real officer. Ah, right. Okay, if you say so. Awesome. Let's <laughs> well, quickly check. Hang on, what page was that? Page, page eight. eight. I'll just check. Yeah, it's the way it's coloured. It, it looks like it's the policeman. Oh, yeah, so it does. So it does. I just assumed it was into shades. That's fine. I think that's how I read it at the time as well. Yeah. That's fine. So, yeah, so people were liking the Batman Superman of Earth X, which wasn't really Earth X. And he wasn't really Batman Superman. Hmm. No, true. As we kind of inferred earlier on, there is another EarthX that will be coming up much later in the podcast mm. and will feature quite heavily for a time. Yep. Stay tuned for that, folks. Absolutely. We're not going to give you any spoilers. I mean, there's a good chance most of you probably know what it is anyway. But that's what the response was at the time. You've heard what we thought. What do you think? Please get in touch. You can email us at the Earth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth2. And on Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth2 Podcast. Because we always put up loads of bonus material, you can maybe see clumsy Jimmy accidentally hitting <laughs> the button in the dimension traveling machine. That looks, I'll be honest, I think that professor maybe copied Rip Hunter's time machine and then just switched out a couple of circuit boards. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Got some yellow paint from B&Q. That's yeah. it. So yes, uh, please uh, check out some of the stuff that we're putting up there. Please do. We try our best to give you as much extra context as we can to, to everything that's going on. So check out our Instagram and Facebook pages and see what you think and let us know what you think. So on that note, I've been Peter. And I've been David. Thank you for joining us and we will see you next time on The, the Earth 2 Podcast. Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Just proves you can't keep a good man down. You Can't Keep a Good Man Down is an excellent song on the first album by the Clint Boone Experience.
the band formed by the former keyboard player of the Inspiral Carpets. And that's a true story, it is. <laughs>